Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. foodie fans and welcome back to another episode of foodie films of course this is your host your chef de cinema cuisine kyle reinfried what's going on what's happening how are you oh boy kyle's got a couple of bourbons in him he's got a delicious burger in him that's kind of appropriate for this episode because i get to speak with america's burger expert but he's not only that He's a filmmaker, he's an author, he's a TV host, the guy teaches lectures, and he's also the one of the co-founders, and he's the director of the Food Film Festival. He's making a Broadway musical, but why am I saying all of this? You're going to find it out. This guy is George Motes, not Motz. You're going to hear me say that incorrectly on the episode. Yes, of course, I make a fool of myself, but nonetheless... It was a fantastic episode. We recorded this a while ago. I'm going to be very frank with you. Kyle's going to be frank for a second. I uh, had some audio difficulties. I've been trying to fix it, but it's way past my knowledge of it all. I hope it's not too much of a distraction. Forgive me. George's mic had a lot of poofs and pops and tss to it. Um, so of course I'm pointing out just, you know, things that you might have not even really cared about or paid attention to, but, uh, it's something that, you know, I try my best with this podcast and hopefully you still enjoy it. I mean, you should, it's George was fantastic. What a cool guy. After we recorded this episode, he took me to the burger spot that he mentions at the end of it. And he's just, he's the best. And I hope I get to work with him a little bit more in the future. And, uh, yeah, so uh, without further ado, oh, you gotta check out, uh, in Jersey City, White Star Bar, there's two of them, but the one that's, uh, oh, I don't know what street that's on, hit me up, I'll let you know what street it's on, it's the one that's more in the downtown, uh, area, like, historic downtown area, they got Pat LaFrieda Burgers, and I got a, I'll post the, I'll post the picture, got a bacon, cheddar, cheeseburger, Lettuce, tomato, onion. Oh, I was I was thinking of, you know I was thinking about this episode, and I was like I need a burger. So we recorded this a little while ago. This was a episode. Well, you're gonna hear all about it. Without further ado, Mister George Motes, not Motz, Motes. 
George, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. This kind of came to be because just earlier this week. I mean, look at this. We're making it happen right away. Uh, someone, I like that's the best way, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like online dating. Like, why keep chatting on that? Let's just meet right away. Let's <laughs> go on our first like, date. <laughs> let's, let's, I hope we have a good first date. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so th- a shout out to Mark Mandler, sound guy, great guy, put us in touch great with dude. one another. So uh, I just gotta say, like you know, like I I, fo- I was fo- I followed you on Instagram already, and I, I had attended uh, the food film festival two years ago. So oh, right, I good. mean, I knew your name, and it was just you know, like I said, Mark Mandler. I just you know, we were catching up like you do when you see people that you're freelancing with. He's like, oh, working on anything fun. And I'm like, nah, you know, the shoots I'm on aren't exactly fun, but I'm working on this project, this podcast, Foodie Films. And right away, he's like, oh, you guys, you guys speak to George Motz and, you know. George Motz. Motz, I'm, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I even wrote it down. <clears throat> that's okay. That's okay. Put, I'm the only one who gets it wrong. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, so yeah, he says, you got to speak to George Motz. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, how do you? And he's like, yeah. Let me give you uh, his information. He's like, well, let me let me message. I'm like, yeah, you can message him first, see if it's cool. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> you are a f- you know first and foremost a filmmaker. Right. Thank you for saying that. By the way, people think, oh, you're first and foremost a hamburger guy. Like, no, I'm actually first and foremost a filmmaker. Yeah, Thank you're you. first. You're a director of photography, and then I mean, did you did you move? Let's talk about that first. I mean, we can get into obviously filmmaking of food, right. but filmmaking in general like did you go in the natural progression of pa to like an ac to camera to dp like tell me tell me your filmmaking well nothing about my career has been normal okay or there's been no normal progression of anything i mean there has been a progression it's been pretty good i can't complain yeah um but at the very beginning i actually worked for a tabletop director Okay. A guy yeah. named, great guy named Greg Ramsey, who basically, by through osmosis, not direct, I mean, by direct osmosis, I learned pretty much everything he was doing. I watched him work. We worked every day. We worked sometimes, there was a period we were working seven days a week wow. for, for roughly two and a half months of the five years I worked for him. I mean, it was intense. And some of the stuff was food. A lot of it was, you know, toothpaste, and some of it was, you know, paint ads and you know, kitty litter ads. But uh, we were mostly working on food stuff. So I got really into food photography. And I was, I've, always, I've always had a thing for food photography to begin with. Yeah. Uh, but with him, I really, really, I mean, I learned how to light food. I never really knew how to do that. I yeah. learned how to light food for photography, for for uh, motion picture, and it made a big difference in my what became my food, you know, food photography career. I left him, and I started uh, right away, right, right into the world of features. Okay. So I was wow. shooting people, but the problem is I was lighting people like food. <laughs> so, so what's so, the yeah? What's the difference? So, well, this is um, you spend a little more time <laughs> with people. Okay. I think but no, it's not true. I think you know. <laughs> People, people move, you know. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. That's, that's Food just stays right yeah. there. You don't have to do anything to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think the people were just very different. I just didn't know how to light people. I was actually lighting people like they were food, and it was not right. Uh, a lot of hard, you know, harsh angles and, and uh, hard, hard shadows, yeah. which with people, we need soft lighting, you know, a lot. Um, I actually got away from that. That was a style back in the, in the day that was the whole day of the high contrast back in the, like, the 90s, you know. But it all, it's all changed now. Everything, everything started to become very real. And I was, I was moving into the world of uh, Instagram, and I was one of the very first early adopters of Instagram 
but back when it was not a food platform, but it was actually a photographer's platform. Yeah. And people were like, you could change filters and change your camera lenses. Remember that? If you remember the very, very beginning of, of Instagram. Yeah, before Facebook took it over and all that. Exactly. It was, yeah. it was actually, it was, it was a, an app designed for photographers yeah. who wanted to like to snap photos on, on a cell phone and make it look better than what they were, what the actual cell phone camera could produce. Um, so I, started, I was one of the earliest adopters of, of Instagram as, as a photographer, but at the same time, I had produced a film called, uh, earlier than that, I produced a film called Hamburger America. And Hamburger America was about um, eight different hamburger restaurants in America. And what I did was I would actually go around the country when I was shooting jobs. I was doing other jobs for other people um, as, a, as a freelance director of photography. And I would tack on a few days and say, you know, Chicago and say, I'm going to go up to Wisconsin and go film some hamburger places. And yeah. I ended up creating this, this hamburger film called Hamburger America. And that sort of became the first um, uh, moment for food on film for me. That's awesome. And because yeah. of that, the th- Food Film Fest was born. I was I was getting as a as a you know guy going around to food to film festivals mm-hmm. and uh, trying to put my film in festivals. I was always getting lumped into the food section of that festival. Okay, and um, I would meet all these other food filmmakers, which didn't really exist. We were a very very small group back then. Yeah, and I was just by virtue of the fact that I had a film about hamburgers, I was suddenly <laughs> there. I was I was that guy. Um, and I f- took all those filmmakers that I met on the road, and I recreated our own festival called the Food Film Festival for the first time. And yeah, it's going somebody, yeah, somebody walked up to me and they said, "You're never going to be able to sustain this. There's not enough food filmmaking out there for next year." And I was like, "Ha ha, yeah." And I'm, meanwhile, I'm like very nervous about it. And sure <laughs> enough, when everyone got, everyone had the word, the, the word got out that there was a, a place to put your food film. If you had a food film, yeah, then we had we had more than enough films. We had doubled our capacity by the following year. Wow. And now we're 13 years in, and we are we're a well known entity, a festival. Uh, we've been in uh, five different countries. We've had, we've actually, uh, we counted last year, we've 105 events over 13 years. Wow. <laughs> uh, food events. So yeah, seven, yeah. And, yeah. Which that's probably 27 different festivals because uh, it's a multi day festival. Um, but now there's plenty of content. We, we'll see, this year we'll probably see 400, 400 different films, food films this year. That's for amazing. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's sort of how the food film thing started for me, for sure. I mean, I, you know, Instagram shooting, and then also my books. I have books about hamburgers now because of the Hamburger America, the film. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's just yeah let's say this. So again, first it's and foremost, it's, a little, a, it's all complicated. First, sorry. Yeah. No, first and foremost, a filmmaker, and then I mean, you've been dubbed what the the hamburger like expert of America, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny. The media gave me that title, which is yeah. funny. Like you when, guys. When, when, <laughs> That w- well, okay, that happened pretty quickly because right when the film came out, yeah, I was asked my opinion on burgers, and they would. I started getting called on calls like for CNN and for you know local news. Mm-hmm. So we need a hamburger expert. Call call George. He made a film about hamburgers, so now suddenly I'm an expert. <laughs> so one, it started out with one media outlet calling me a hamburger expert, and the next media outlet saying calling me a self-proclaimed hamburger expert. I said, no, no, no. The no, media, yeah. you guys called me that. So yeah, it's kind of it's it's a, it's um, it's I I accept the title now because the way I like to put it was. Not a bad title. It's not a bad title. America's hamburger expert, sure. Why not? Like America's sweetheart. Um, <laughs> it's like I'll take that. Um, but I mean, I've eaten more burgers in more places than you have. That's what I'd like to say. Yeah, that's. I, I really mean, have. You know. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good title. But so yeah, we got filmmaker, we got America's hamburger expert, and now an author of two books. Right? Uh, well, or, two books. One that's been updated. Rub, yeah, updated. Yeah. So I like to say four books. I've actually rewritten a lot of the books. Wow. <laughs> so. Yeah, if you get a, if you get one of my guidebooks, it's been it's been you know poured over um, you know uh, I mean I've I've gone over every detail in each one of those books. Yeah, the yeah. Great American Burger Book and uh, Hamburger America. Hamburger America. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so that was first. First, you did the film. Film. 
And then which book came out first? Hamburger America came first. Someone asked me to roll my research from the film into yeah. a book. And yeah. I said, well, how many restaurants do you want? There's only eight in the film. And I said, well, we'd like 100. I'm like, whoa, 100, holy crap. So I ended up um, going and getting back on the road again and yeah. doing tons of research, tons. You know, yeah. Spent my entire advance twice. <laughs> Lost money on it. Yeah, I like what you said that you said to, you know, you want to make sure we keep our hamburger heritage. Yeah. What, what, I mean, what does that mean to you? What did you find? I mean, I want people to buy your books and read your books, but what <laughs> did, what did you find out about, I mean, America, and as far as your love of hamburgers, was it just, you just went out and you had a hamburger when you wanted, or was it, was there always something special? No, I had, you? I had an epiphanous moment at the, uh, Apple Pan in Los Angeles, Okay. which yeah. just, specifically I was sitting at the counter and I was in this place that was, I was a little bit jet lagged and I just arrived at LAX and I went right to this place. Somebody told me that you want burger, you want a burger right now. Yeah go to the Apple Pan in, uh, on the west side. And I showed up there, I sat at the counter, and I was almost like stoned on jet lag. You know, just t- I was yeah. young, I was 20, 25 years old. I was, you know, going to, doing, shooting a job in L.A. I was going to work on a job with somebody in L.A. And I sat at the counter, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like this, it was almost as if I'd been like thrown into this time warp. First time in L.A., I'd never been in L.A. So huh. I was thrown into this weirdo time warp. If you know, if you know the Apple Pan, it's, a lot of, it's all, all old school Paper caps. Mm-hmm. You know, when you ask for a burger, they scream it out and they slap it on the counter in front of you. And they're, they're it's very gruff. Yeah, it's like very the fast. SNL sketch: cheeseburger, cheeseburger. But, but it's, yeah, it's almost like a clean version yeah. of that. You know, very, very like super like you know clean. Uh, this tartan plaid wallpaper. Yeah. There's the the red leather stools and just the turnover is unbelievably lightning fast. And old school pies in the pie window. And I thought I was like I thought I was in a dream. Yeah. And I realized at that point that the hamburger could be something way more than just like you know like the Wendy's and McDonald's drive through. Sure. You know. I didn't know that though. You know, I, I've, there was to me it was it was it was McDonald's and it was my dad's backyard hamburger. There was yeah. nothing in between. You know, there were there were no. I I never really been to or I remembered going to a really good like old school uh, hamburger joint that was focused just on hamburgers. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a, that was an epiphanous moment for me. So I made the film, made the film, um, and they actually they did not make it the film. <laughs> I, I love them so much I didn't want to put them in the film. Okay. I didn't want to put anything in New York and L.A. in the film. Yeah, the film actually focuses on sort of flyover state burgers. You know. Uh, and burgers that were off the beaten path and have great stories. Yeah. So, but that turned into the book. That turned into the series of the book, um, which was a, a lot of work. It was more work than I could ever ever dreamed of. How much? How, like, how much time did you? How long did it take to make the film? It took about two and a half years over random travel. You know, from jobs. I was doing jobs. You know, nearby, and I would just drive and find find stories. Um, yeah. It took a long time. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was nonlinear. <laughs> um, but it got done. I it was a it was like a it was a you know a, a, a labor of love. <laughs> I'm sure you're asked. I mean, I've seen the interviews. Just. Rachel Ray and Martha Stewart and all all that kind of stuff and people asking you what's your favorite burger so I'm not going to ask well maybe I will eventually but uh, but luck. I mean just as far as making that film was there a place that just felt like the most special or just you know a location that you're like wow this is you know well the Apple Pan was one for sure because yeah. it was it was formative uh, but there's so many places I mean people people have to realize that there's a lot of different types of burgers in America there's yeah. not I, but that's what I discovered by doing all this research for over the last 20 years is that there's not just one type of hamburger in America there's also regional specialties all over the place you get yeah. the, the butter burger of Wisconsin and the green chili cheeseburger of, of New Mexico and, and southern parts of southern Colorado and parts of western Texas uh, the slug burger of Mississippi you know, these are very specific historically significant uh, regional styles that yeah. I discovered and started to document and take you know great appreciation of you know to me it's like that you know I believe that the gastronomic fabric of America is very international it's, a lot of foods come from elsewhere donuts and everything I mean everything comes from somewhere else with the exception of 
the hamburger in a way. The hamburger is one of the only real food inventions in America in the last hundred years or so. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a bunch out there. Yeah. But to me, it's, it's. I think Americans have a lot of pride in the fact that they know it's an American item. Yeah. So to that end, when the, the hamburger started to go out in the world and become the version of the, the American burger that people saw internationally was McDonald's, unfortunately, yeah. or burgers that were fast food and frozen and crap. And I hated the fact that that was going to be you know, not just the burger itself, but the way that American companies went into foreign countries, mm-hmm. I thought was obnoxious. And it was really, do- I think it was doing a complete disservice to what I consider to be one of the most important foods that America was exporting. Your film, they made it mandatory to teach uh, or to, you know, to view at Princeton. For a while, it was at Princeton. Yeah. It was at, at the, one of the food studies, the hospitality uh, courses yeah. at Princeton, at NYU for a while. But I've also now, I've, I've, my latest thing is that I go, I've gone international. And I teach, wow. I teach courses. I teach courses. I I give workshops yeah. in Brazil. Brazil. Um, okay. Yeah, I got a I got a phone call from one person in Brazil who wanted me to come visit. Just a fan. Okay. And that has now turned into four trips later. I'm I'm sponsored by Hellman's. Hellman's Mayo. Because wow. now Hellman's is now owned by a brand that's in. Um, that's in no Hel- Hellman's is an international. It's a multinational brand. Okay. And but they're really big. They're trying to make big inroads in Brazil right now. Yeah. So now I'm being I'm being paid by which is great. I'm I'm on the you know. I'm on the program for Elements. I love it. That's amazing. So they, they flew me. Yeah. They flew me to Brazil uh, last month. Yeah, and we ended up making a bunch of content for specifically for business to business. Uh, for for you know for me, to, I'm actually speaking to to burger restaurants wow. as well. Yeah, in Brazil, who want to start and make make uh, you know burger burger magic. You're living the dream. This I, is amazing, I can't, right? I can't complain. I definitely live in the dream, <laughs> and I kind of fell into it. It was an accident. You know, you have to when you're in life. I think you have to. Um, accept whatever comes your way and yeah. look at everything as an opportunity and not as like this could be a problem, this could cost money. You know, look at it as an opportunity and yeah. see what happens. You know, I did not expect to become a hamburger expert. <laughs> that was, not, it was not, my, not my goal in life, but it's happened. You know? I mean, clearly you're a hard worker, no pun intended. You're hungry. Like you, do, you, know, you, you love creating content from – again, let's talk about just filmmaking. You even said to me when I, when I was asking you, oh, what's your, some of your favorite food scenes? You said you – Worked on it's complicated. For I did. I worked on it's complicated. I worked on a bunch of films because only because I was friends with the director. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So semi related to the director at one point. Um, yeah, but that was but that was that was I was saying that's a good that was an interesting food film because I started thinking about it when you asked me the question about you know what what great food scenes yeah. can you talk about and I said you know there really aren't a lot of good food scenes in films. They're really hard to think about. I mean, this is a documentary. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of food filmmaking because of the Food Film Fest. I mean, every year we get, you know, four or 500 submissions. Uh, we narrow it down to about 28 to 32 selections that we actually screen at the festival. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of content. But a lot of it is documentary. Or it's, you know, other they're, they're narrative films that won't go anywhere outside of, like, the Food Film Fest. They, they really have no audience. Um, but, I mean, you think of some things like Big Night, yeah. The last scene of Big Night is, is is priceless, where he's making the omelet in all one take. Mm-hmm. I love that one; it's a great one. But you know, it's complicated. Chef. It was great. If Chef was, oh yeah, that's right. Chef was great. But again, the food food shots are, you know, they're not stellar. <laughs> I like to be able to have, you know, I want, if I'm watching a food film, I yeah. want the food to look like I want. It's gonna, I want to attack the screen and eat it. Yeah, that's my. I, I've always felt that's my role as a photographer is to make the food look like you want to eat eat your freaking phone. You know, yeah. we did our first season of Burgerland, the TV show. I did a show called Burgerland. Yeah, where I was the host of the show. And um, the, after the first episode aired, somebody wrote on the face on the Travel Channel Facebook page, "I wanted to eat my effing TV screen," <laughs> and I said, "And I said to Travel Channel, you know, they wanted to spend an hour at the end of the day shooting food and yeah. you know eight hours shooting interviews." I said, "No, no, no, you got it all wrong. Yeah, right. We're going to shoot five hours of interviews <laughs> and we're going to do four hours of food." And they were like, "No, that's not necessary." I said, "Trust me." And we did it. We ended up shooting we, the entire afternoon was all tabletop. 
and it, it paid off because you know B-roll makes up usually half of the content yeah. of anything you're watching, and all these shots were literally. They, it was like the most. It was the most graphic food porn you've ever seen. It was. It was. I mean, like intense, like long little shots and dripping cheese and yeah. slow motion, beautiful stuff. And people, it, the feedback was was positive. I mean, you have to do that. You know, when you're when you're making food content, you have yeah. to make it look pretty. So I worked on this complicated because um, the director needed someone to shoot some food. And it's, it's, there's a, obviously it's about it's about a woman who is a, owns a restaurant. She owns a bakery. Bakery, I can't remember. Yeah. But there's a great scene in the movie where she and Steve Martin, where it's, uh, who is it? It's uh, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep and Steve Martin are making croissant. It's almost cut to music. It's made like a music yeah. video. I did not shoot that scene. But I was always impressed at how beautiful and how perfect. It was actually, if you watch it, it's actually the way you make croissant. Yeah. I mean, so what's really cool about Nancy is that she really wanted to make sure that all the food stuff looked the way it should look. She didn't want to look look like half-assed or look like that she she wasn't paying attention. What didn't didn't follow the rules, you know. She wanted to make sure everything looked like it should look. So we, I did I did a scene where we had an, she's icing a cake. So I shot all the insert stuff of her icing a cake. Oh, you know? okay. <laughs> so so it looked beautiful. I went from my ta- I took from my tabletop, you know, knowledge how to make sure an ice cake looks fantastic. Yeah. So <laughs> no, that's the, I mean we actually we covered that film on an episode and that was and we played the uh, croissant scene and I just love it just the two of them I think they're at her daughter or I don't know someone one of the kids graduations party and they get stoned <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they go and he's like oh chocolate croissant well, that's what they made chocolate that's what yeah. chocolate croissant yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just such a so yeah I love that scene that's such a great way uh, Absolutely. To capture food. And that was that's funny. I told before we started recording, I said how I worked and the listeners know I worked on, you know, Top Chef before and I worked with the culinary department during uh we shot the finale, which is like three episodes down the Bahamas, and since the culinary department's so big and I was just a PA, uh I was helping them and that's when I first heard food porn and you know they always the chefs cook the exact amount of dishes for like the judges and then one extra plate for the food porn i was lucky enough to always be tasting you know that plate with them and uh it, probably look, it looked great and probably tasted great too yeah they just i remember they just had a portable box that they created just to perfectly bounce the light and get yeah. it is there any way that you found like certain foods you gotta shoot one way or like, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a couple of tricks. I can't tell you all the tricks. But okay. <laughs> one thing I like to point out is that people, it's, a, it's amazing how many people want to shoot a burger on eye level or like down down low or low angle. And for me, especially especially when it comes to burgers, I like to shoot from what I call the attack angle, okay. which is the attack angle is what you're looking at. So you really want to be able to see the burger from the angle that you're about to attack it. Yeah. You know, that's that's the most important. That to me that's the most appealing angle. Okay. It's also it's the angle that when they make the burger, they put it on a plate, they're looking at it at that angle also. They're not yeah. looking at it down low, they're not looking at overhead. Yeah. Overhead burger is nothing but bun. You have to actually also a bun ha- I mean a burger has uh, you know, has, has a, it's going to have a multi- multitude of sides. You keep twisting it around, but it's really only going to be one good angle for some reason. <laughs> a lot of buns have, you know, have imperfections. You have to find the right angle. But yeah. to me, honestly, it's I use a lot of natural light. Um, I, I, have a, I have a great camera phone. I have a Samsung S9 Plus, nice. which uh, is has one of the greatest phones ever. And it requires very little light. That's very, very uh, high resolution. Um, and it shoots like uh, no other camera. I mean, I, I've have, I have cameras that can that can I've tr- I struggle with sometimes. This actually is about has a better camera than some of my own like actual just digital wow. cameras. Um, but the great thing about it is compact and low light is key. You know, 
But to me, it's, I think you natural lighting. When, when you, if you look at where you are in a restaurant or a burger joint, just make sure that you're, you know, you're, it looks good. You know, you're not. It's not harsh light. It's not front lit. Backlighting is usually much better. You know, backlight yeah. with a soft bounce in. Yeah. I, I walk around with a car with a, like a, like a, a pad, you know, a, a white paper pad, right. and I'll bounce light back into the front of a burger, and I'll backlight it. Just by grabbing a pad and putting it up against the burger outside of frame, you, you can actually create a nice bounce back into the burger as long as you have a backlight, you know, some the sun or something coming from behind you. Or if it's, you're in a really low-lit situation, I'll grab a candle, the table candle. Wow. I'll push the table candle just out of frame, and you get okay. this nice warm yeah, glow. Yeah. A lot of cameras, a lot of cell phone cameras can't capture that, you know? I mean, they can't. If you're lucky, if you have a really, really good cell phone camera, you can capture that mm-hmm. and actually use the, the you know, candlelight to light your food yeah i have an uh iphone 10 and the portrait mode on that is it's it's pr- it's, it's pretty, very good yeah it's, that's it's, actually one of the other better ones for sure yeah. yeah people have to know how to use it though it's again in the wrong hands <laughs> it's like they, you know people go i could didn't work it didn't, didn't come out great you have, to, yeah. you have to spend some time playing with it well, speaking of cell phones so be- before i really started talking with a lot of people that w- work in the industry such as yourself and pat lafrida a lot of the f- food people on just besides you know, f- people that love food. So foodies, I had a lot of food Instagrammers on. What do you think of that whole, I mean, you said obviously getting into Instagram in the beginning, but now there's just so many people posting about food. Do you think there are, is it all pros or are there some cons to that? Well, I've got, a, I've got too much. To, uh, <laughs> if people know me, I have a lot to say on, on that subject. Okay. Unfortunately, but I'll keep, I'll try to, I'll be brief. Sure. I'll try. Yeah. The most important thing is that, you know, when people look at my feed, they have to understand that everything on my feed, I've eaten. Okay. Period. Yeah. I mean, unless you're seeing a you know a pile of burgers you know that I've just cooked up for someone else at, a, at an event, obviously yeah. I'm not eating that. But um, if you if you're looking at food that I've eaten, mostly I, I post on stories all day long. Every not all day long, I post a few things on stories every day, so I, I stay very current. But everything you see, I've eaten. I think a lot. Of, I'm pretty sure a lot of these Instagram posters that are food have food Instagrams. I mean, they don't eat this stuff. They can't. I mean, you see a pile of food in front of a girl who looks like she's, you know, as thin as a stick. Yeah. She ain't eating it. Sorry. There's no, there's no freaking way. No way. Oh, she's taking a bite and moving on. <laughs> because they're getting paid. Yeah. I don't get paid. I mean, I get paid by Hellman's, and I barely, I barely promote them. <laughs> um, sorry, guys. Um, I try. I mean, I do it, I do it in a more grassroots way. People okay. know that I love Hellman's. Just, yeah. I think, just organically that I love Hellman's. They know that. Because I'm actually being, you know, I'm, 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 I do projects with them. Yeah. And if I'm working with a, with a client, I'm going to give them some love. But I'm not going to do the reverse, which is where, you know, the, you suddenly, you, you want to pr- promote a restaurant or promote, you know, um, a type of food. Mm-hmm. And you do it in a, in a way that's, that it's pretty obvious that you're not really appreciating what they're doing. I really appreciate the people that I work with, you know. And so it makes, that makes me crazy. The other thing, and this is something that, that I'm trying to fix, and I can't do it alone. I need everyone's help out there. Okay. <laughs> Listen up, people. So listen up. Um, restaurants are now inventing food that is for Instagram, not for taste. And okay. they, they like to say, oh, this will taste great. But they, honestly, they're, they're making things that really won't even fit in your mouth or wouldn't taste good. But they look great. Yeah. And there's, there's been a notion that if you, if you get something that looks great on camera – you get people in the restaurant to eat everything else. Okay. That, to me, is completely disingenuous and disgusting, as far as I'm concerned. One of the greatest ones, or the worst ones, the, the, the biggest offender, I think, is what I like to call it's the, the mac and cheeseburger effect. Because what's <laughs> happening is, so the, I know the chef who invented the mac and cheeseburger. He oh, himself really? doesn't even like it anymore. Um, he, and he did invent it as a stunt. It doesn't taste good. You know, people, because the problem is when you look at a, an image of a mac and cheeseburger, uh-huh. you see mac and cheese, you see burger, and you go, that must be great. Yeah. The problem is you've ever eaten hot, 
you know, hot pasta with hot cheesy pasta on top of a burger. Yeah. It's a bad combination. It's really bad. It's there's no no room for pasta on a burger <laughs> unless you're having a ramen burger. I was just gonna yeah, say that's the one. I time. watched a video where you went around with a guy and yeah, that ramen burger. Ramen burger is different. Yeah. It's actually it's more toothsome. It actually is. It's crunchy. Yeah. So it's it it tastes much better. I mean, mac and cheese burgers are soft and wet and weird. And they don't taste right. And it literally was invented to look good on Instagram. That's it. So that Soft, wet, crazy. and weird. Soft, wet, and weird. It's just, there's, no, there's no way to go through life. Um, no way to go through li- hamburger life. Um, but it's, I, I have a lot of things to say about that. I wish people would just be, just come clean. And if they're going to, people are now starting to say, you know, this, I, I'm sponsored by so-and-so. You know, if they, if they post something, yeah. you know, if they're, it's pretty obvious um, they do. But it rarely happens. So Yeah, having a uh, food Instagrammers I have. Had on, they gave some tricks of the trade, and some of them, you know, they say, oh, they'll do a potluck night with friends and get takeout, and obviously through then that, then they just have a whole. They're like, okay, yeah. let me take a picture, you know, or when they go That's even fine. go out to eat, and the, you know that kind of stuff. But. Yeah, but I just don't like the setup, the the being invited by restaurants, and then the lights come out, you know. Yeah, he's <laughs> like they they start shooting with big lights, and the food gets cold, and nobody eats it. Yeah, you know. A lot of times when I shoot for Instagram, I take one picture. I, have, I like to talk to my kids about this. My kids also shoot for Instagram also. And uh, I was telling them that, you know, it's the, the joke is, you know, it's, it's, it's shoot, eat, tweet. That's the, that's the order. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to post it while you're eating. And just take a picture and move on. So yeah. I, I like a lot of times I will shoot a picture and then move on. I'll, I'll put my phone away. I'll take yeah. one or two photos and that's it. If I didn't get it, I, didn't, I don't post it. That should be a hashtag, shoot, eat, tweet. Shoot, eat, tweet. Right? T-shirts. <laughs> I see a whole market for That's the order. That's the order of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me ask you. So we're, we're, I'm at your place in Brooklyn. Uh, where, where did you grow up? Where, or, um, how long have you been in New York? I grew up in Long Island, on Long Island. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Garden City, Long Island. Um, I, was, I graduated high school and got out of there fast. Went right <laughs> to college. Went to college in D.C. Went to Catholic U in D.C. But I grew up. I grew up in you know classic suburban you know Long Island. Yeah. And, you know the joke was that I was watching a friend of mine speak about his life and his hard hard knock life in in Mill Basin. Um, growing up in Mill Basin, all the all the gangsters and the tough stuff. And I'm thinking, where, where did I? I have no life story. I, mean, I, <laughs> I grew up. I grew up drinking beer in one of the, in, in like the sand traps of one of the three country clubs in my town. You know that wasn't so badass. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it also I didn't have anything nearby that was nostalgic. And like truly American, yeah. I felt like it was a very different place. That didn't feel like you know, I didn't feel like the rest of America. So when I started to actually get out, I drove across country for the first time when I was 19 years old. Wow! And it blew my mind. I, I re- actually I read. I'll never forget this. I was in, I was a sophomore in college, and I read Jack Kerouac's On the Road. On the road, yeah. And I got literally a quarter way through the book. I looked at my room and I said, "We have to we, we have to get on the road. <laughs> we got to do this." And of course, that didn't exist anymore. That's that the book was written in the 40s. Yeah. Um, but the notion of the freedom of the road called pretty pretty strongly, and I did. I drive at that point. I drove across the country once, and then I started doing the I had car service where I would drive people's cars across the country just to get get on the road again. Oh, really? Wow! I did it about five times, um, and back and forth. Sometimes I'd fly back. Sometimes I would drive one way and fly back. Sometimes yeah. I'd take my car and drive back and forth. So it took about five trips before I was twenty one, uh, back and forth across the country. Wow. And it, I was I was mind blown. My mind was absolutely blown. I couldn't believe how big it was. I mean, I grew up in I didn't travel much when I was a kid at all. Mm-hmm. So being out there in the country was a real eye opener. Was there? I mean, so you grew up in Long Island. Was there something that called you back? I mean, you know, it's New York. It's yeah. an amazing city. I mean, was it just that, or was it what made you you know plant your you know? Um, I started working for um, 
Uh, I took a job working for um, Buena Vista. Oh, okay. (laughs) My very first job, I was a PA uh, on a film called Paradise. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually a parking PA. I was was the, I was, no, I was locations assistant and then a parking PA whenever the, whenever the, um, the trucks came to town. Sure. But my job as a location assistant was to watch a set overnight for the film Paradise. Okay. So there was a set set up in the small town of McClellanville, South Carolina. And my job was to literally, I had to work 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. and just make sure nobody t- touched the set. It was, a, it was a live set. They had yeah. taken the entire downtown and, and, and propped it out, decked it out. Oh wow! It was incredible. I mean, they had like a they had a special flag flying, and they had, they had built a like a fake front gas station, yeah. completely stocked with like you know soda machines and all. You know, there was like oil cans out on the. And my job was to stay awake all night and just make sure that like the, all the all the crazy rednecks didn't come and touch anything. <laughs> the crazy rednecks, of course, became friends of mine and offered me all kinds of alcohol and drugs. It was it was, it was a good time. It was a lot of fun, and I became actually I made some really really close uh, friendships with a lot of people down there. Yeah, and so I protect they protected me and I protected the set. And it was it was a nice it was a nice setup. <laughs> yeah. That was my first job. So I worked at Buena Vista on Paradise, um, and then after that I, I got a, I got a job offer to work at McCann Erickson. So I moved to New York. I moved mm-hmm. back to New York and worked at McCann Erickson, and that was sort of the beginning of my my career in New York. I sort of I got a job um, from there. I was actually laid off from everybody. Got laid off in McCann at one point because they lost the Coke account. Oh wow, <laughs> that was a big deal. Yeah, and I, I had the uh, the great honor of being the first person to get laid off <laughs> of like thousands. They were like, they put my oh, hand on my shoulder, George. I was an intern too. I was like, I was a paid intern. I said, No, you're sorry. I have to let you go. You're the first to go. Um, and uh, but right away at my going away party, someone offered me a job uh, working at R. Greenberg Associates. And if you remember R. Greenberg, they did the Superman titles and they did the titles oh, wow. for Seven. Yeah, uh, titles for um, a awesome. bunch of movies. Much. Awesome. I mean, they were, yeah. they were known as a, a movie title house. Yeah. So I started working for them. All special effects, crazy like CGI, special early CGI. Yeah. On film, like actually recorded onto film, which is so cool. Uh, we were just talking about that the other day. I was I was I was getting my one of my computers repaired, and I walked in. There was a movie upright movieola in the Mac wow. repair store, and I put it on Instagram. Does anybody know what this is? Yeah. And yeah. Like, all the old school guy, old older guys were like, "Duh, movieola." <laughs> <laughs> I know, who's seen one of these things in forever? We used to actually we used to work on those. Wow. At our Greenberg back. I'm old enough to know that you know I was I saw film. I shot film back in the day, and I saw it. You know? That's awesome. So I worked at R. Greenberg yeah. and then went from there working on Tabletop at R. Greenberg and then went to Greg Ramsey's studio after that. So. What are some of the big changes you've seen to New York in general and just the food scene in New York? Well, the rise of the cell phone yeah. and also bandwidth has changed everything. I mean, the, we started the Food Film Festival 13 years ago. There was, there was really no way to watch films online. Yeah. Everything was, done, we're, was all done through DVD. We had, we, all of our submissions came in by DVD. Mm-hmm. We screened on DVD. Uh, some of the stuff came in as Blu-ray, but it was nobody really doing that. I think we actually we did screen one film on film in a, in a theater back in the day. Somebody actually had a, fi- a final print on film. Yeah, we screened on D1 once. We had a D1, which is crazy back then. But nobody could really stream stuff. So I think what's really changed dramatically is that people have access to inexpensive cameras back in the and also you couldn't shoot a film because yeah. you couldn't get a camera. You couldn't get a camera. It gives all if you, you wanted to shoot HD to make a film look good, you couldn't find the camera. Mm-hmm. If you knew somebody, you could probably borrow one or rent one, but it was too expensive for people to make you know film for you know on HD. Everything's changed because yeah. the combination of the bandwidth changing on you know, streaming plus the um, being able to have the technology in your hands has changed everything dramatically. Definitely. Yeah. Do you think that there is a negative to that, though, as, as someone that also works in production and it's just there's so many people trying to work in it? Do you think that because there's, you know, like great 
equipment available to anybody that then they'll just hire somebody that really doesn't know what they're doing with, you know, that right. can still get a great image as far as its quality, but maybe not as far as its framing or its, you know, lighting and all, all that that comes with cinematography. Right. To me, it's all about storytelling. Yeah. And if you can tell a story with a camera, you're much better off than just pointing a camera at somebody and hoping you get something. Sure. So I think if this, it, it, it doesn't really matter to me that the technology has become you know, available to everybody. Not everybody can shoot. Yeah. And people have to realize that. They know that they can shoot something. Um, but you have to really have the story mm-hmm. to, uh, to back up what you're, what you're shooting. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to the, the festival, I mean, it's just... It's such an awesome festival. So it's it's a multi-sensory festival. It is a multi-sensory and so festival. So if, if you can ex- explain that to the listeners and just sure. how how that came to be. Well, originally when I made Hamburger America, a friend of mine decided to show the film at his restaurant. He had an outdoor restaurant in Long Island City. Okay. And he said, uh, why don't we make the burgers in your film Yeah. and for the audience? And I said, that's a great idea. So we ended up actually making, I think, three or four of the eight burgers in the film for the audience. Wow. And uh, we thought, oh, it could be a bust. It was raining that night. We sold out. I think 200 tickets sold out. And people came in the pouring rain, ate the burgers, and freaked out. So I said to him, we need to do this again. We need to start a <laughs> festival, obviously. And uh, show my film, show Hamburg America and do this again, and maybe I'll find other filmmakers. That's yeah. how I was born at that point. Um, the Food Film Fest is a multi-sensory experience. Yeah. And the idea is that you, as you're watching something on the screen, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, oh I, I got I to have that. It shows up in your seat in front of you. And That's it, amazing. That's the <laughs> biggest, that is the biggest thing. Yeah. Like when, I mean, when there are... The you know those films with great food scenes, you know you're watching it, or or I mean if you watch there's so many food travel shows, you know from I mean obviously yours and then I mean Bourdain with his you know with Parts Unknown and Phil Rosenthal with you know Everybody Feed Phil now and all yeah, those, uh, you know you're watching those and you just get so hungry. So yeah. it's either you know most of the time you eat beforehand, or I mean if you're at home you can have something in front of you. But that's the perfect. Yeah, we tell people don't eat before you come to the food film fest. Yeah, that's a bad idea because we. We will fill you up. And when you're watching films, we'll show, for example, like seven, eight, nine short films in one at one hour program. Okay. So you, yeah. you, you basically are eating a meal in your seat. Sometimes we'll start out with a few films about drinks or appetizers. Then we'll start out with, well, in the middle of the program will be films about proteins and main course type films. And then we'll end with a few films about sweets. And so you've, you are sort of tasting <laughs> yeah. a meal in your seat. But yeah. we time it, though. It's all Everything is timed, I mean, right down to the, almost to the second um, at the Food Film Fest. If you, so your experience... You walk away with an experience that you really it's, – it's a very fulfilling experience where when you do say yourself, I've got to eat that, we have timed that before. We watch the films ourselves, obviously, and we say, what point of the film do you want to eat this? And then every, we have, a, com- we have a, you know, a committee, and we all agree that's the point. We write down, okay, that's, we are one minute and 27 seconds in. Okay, there you go. So yeah. the food is released a few seconds before that, that moment happens. So as it's happening, you're grabbing a tray. It's coming down the aisle. Yeah, you're eating it. Coming and- oh, you smell it coming. <laughs> it's really amazing. And yeah. the difference of what we do and everyone else, people do have tried to re- you know, replicate what we do in other parts of the world, all over the place. And we're, we're just crazy enough to pull this kind of stuff off because to get it right, it's easy to get, easy to get wrong. If a food comes out and it's supposed to be hot and it's – People pick, pick it up when it's cold, or vice versa. It's room temperature and it should be cold. Yeah. It's then the, the experience is lost. So we have a crew. I mean, any given festival night, we will have roughly 120 to 130 different people working for us to make sure that all those moments are happening. Hot food comes out hot. Cold food comes out cold. You know, if it's supposed to look like a certain way, it looks like it looks a certain way. Yeah. Tastes a certain way. And we don't just make the food. We make some of the food ourselves if we if we can. But for the most part, if you see the chef on screen. That chef is actually in the back wow, okay. preparing yeah. the food for us because yeah. they want to get it right. 
now at this point, the festival's got a, a place where chefs do really want to get involved. They want to break break through with some new restaurant or new idea. They come to us, and we, we work with them to make make all of our dreams come true. <laughs> and they're actually back there making the food. Uh, and then, of course, at the end of the, end of the film, if the chef's in the house, we bring the chef on stage. He, yeah. or she, he or she's on stage and waving to the audience. People can't believe it. They can't, like, wow, I just ate food from the chef, and yeah. I saw the thing being made, and oh, my God. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And we do that multiple times a night. And any given night, we'll, if we have a th- 350 people in the audience, we'll serve 4,000 tastes just in the theater alone. Yeah. It's amazing. It's truly incredible. It goes on and on no, and it's, on. No, it's such an amazing experience. Everyone should... You know, go go to it if they if they can get a ticket because I mean it always it's always right in the early mid October right. So it's, it's always the like, third week of October. Third week of October. Yeah, which we try to we follow uh, we follow wine, food and, food and wine. We have wine yeah. and food. Yeah, and then we're before star uh, star chefs. We're in the, the, star, yeah. the star chefs conference. Whatever. It's so we're in between a, the two. Yeah. It's such a great time of year in New York just to <laughs> experience, <laughs> just to watch and then stuff your face and it's it's yeah. uh, it's amazing. I mean that's what I think that's. It was, I won't call it an epiphany, but I always loved food. The first job I ever had was uh, working at a deli, and then I've just, I'm, I've just always been surrounded by food and then going into production as well. And then I think I just had a moment that I'm like, you know what, I, I love both film and food because it's, it is a, the both productions, I think just the, the time management of it all, and that it's a, it takes a team. To yeah. create something amazing. And oh, then, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, we, no, people do not, they try to replicate what we do, like I was saying, but they can't. It's just too much work. Yeah. It's, it's, you have to be, actually, you have to have a screw loose to do what we do. <laughs> and the people I work with are, it's one of the greatest teams I've ever worked with, and they're, it's, it's constantly changing and building. We, we like to say, you know, who, someone's, when someone joins the team, we like to say they, they got on the bus. <laughs> Ken Kesey's bus. So the idea they, <laughs> yeah. they, they, they they smoke what we're smoking, and they're they're on the bus with us now because uh, they you only have to, you can only be crazy to do yeah. what we do. How how large is that team usually for the festival? We have a uh, year round. We have it's only myself, um, uh, myself, uh, my business partner Seth Unger, who's the executive producer. I'm the director of the festival. And then we have one other person on staff as well year round. And then beyond that, it starts to build right about now. Right about so starting in about May, we do we pick up. Yeah. Uh, start to add more people, and then by the time the festival week is happening, we're at about 135 people. So it's a big team. And when do you start? When do people start uh, entering films? And when do you start the food? The food, uh, sorry, the film submissions start the day after the festival. <laughs> oh, wow! So we start right away, so we can have a full year to you know see films. That's great. Yeah, and people now people know it's not, not a rolling submission, but it's definitely it's an early the submission starts. It's full almost a full year. Well, yeah. I'd say half a year because we have to we see the films in about May. And that's that's whenever the, a committee we have a committee that actually watches the films and culls them and makes sure that they're you know they're sometimes people send like you know weird you know like stabbing and bloody food films we don't want that yeah. <laughs> so people send we have a food porn category people actually send like pornography so I was like no nah, we we, can't do that. <laughs> we, we stay away from all that kind of stuff we, we have sponsors to deal with and, you know. <laughs> um, I mean so let's see what 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 have we covered we covered filmmaker. Then obviously, uh, f- you know, food filmmaker, food filmmaker. Uh, author, teacher, director of a festival, and also I love that you ended up bec- bec- because of you know your documentary and then the book and TV series you have and you created an I mean what, what do we want to call that food like a like a product line right uh, yes but I wasn't going to make a product that represented me until I was going to make something myself and do it really well and yeah. people along when I had burger when I had Burgerland the TV show. 
people wanted me to make aprons and spatulas, and I said, nah, you know, so they wanted to make everything in China and make sure that it was cheap and they could make tons of it. And I said, I'm actually not interested in that at all. And they were kind of shocked. Uh, I, I just don't want to do it. I don't. I, I think if you put my name on something, it's got to be fantastic, and I don't really, I don't really care about money. So, sorry. <laughs> they were all kind of shocked. Um, but then along came the need for a heavy spatula. Because I, I was once I made the cookbook. Yeah. About three years ago, um, I would go on new shows and I'd, I'd tour with the book. And people wanted me to make burgers. Well, obviously, you know how to make burgers because you forget the guidebook. You've actually written a cookbook on how to make burgers. So, yeah, I guess I can make burgers. So people wanted to see a live demo. So I would go on new shows and then re- realizing that I, I had all the wrong equipment. And sure, as, I, as yeah. I went through, I started to change the way I cooked. And I would go, look at the, look at what my contemporaries were doing. I'd look at what these hamburger places that I was talking about in both my books were doing. And I started to design equipment. And the first thing I designed was a spatula that was designed specifically just for smashing called yeah. Smashula. Smashula. Yeah. And we, we put the first one out um, last February. And we sold 12 of them at $220 a piece because they're very expensive to produce. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we sold 12 in about two hours. So they were gone. And uh, we sold another next 24 in about two days. And I realized I better, you know, we, yes, we, then we, yeah. we, built, we built production, started having production issues right away. Because wow. it's a very it's a very expensive thing to produce. It's produced right in Brooklyn, right here in Brooklyn, you know, by by metal metal workers in Brooklyn who, you know, who have high rents just like I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not made in China. And people are like, I can't believe you're selling a spatula for two hundred twenty dollars. Like, well, we make zero money on this thing. You know, we're just trying to get it out there. It's, I mean, just looking at it and, and uh, holding it before it, it'll last. Oh, like, it, that's yeah. the, you know, that's the one thing you look at it. I mean, that's I mean, that's something that goes along with a lot of cooking equipment and apparel like if you buy something i mean like a cast iron pan yeah it's your best friend for, li- for life yeah, exactly you take care of it this is the, i mean these that's are the equivalent yeah. well we also put your name is also etched on it so that's the <laughs> ah okay yeah. so you, get, you, get a, you get a unique serial number you can put your company logo on it or whatever i'm not trying to make an ad i'm just saying that the, no, was, no 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 but the point is this thing it's an heirloom this thing is designed to last forever and it really is it's made of 12 gauge steel and it would last forever um but i was trying to i, I want to make sure that yeah, i was making something that people could really you know could keep for life. Yeah, that was important to me. That's of course, awesome. then we can't. We had production issues and had to shut down for a little while. But we're getting back online again. <laughs> well, at least it's right here in Brooklyn, so that you can yeah. go over there and check it out and see how exactly. it's going along. It's pretty convenient. Exactly. Did I read correctly that you're working on a Broadway musical? Yeah. I, can I, we talk I, about it at all, or can we? <laughs> sure. Just, okay. I mean, I'm working on a lot of things. I'm yeah. working on a new TV show. That's my oh, next awesome. one. Um, yeah. That's where I'm pitching a new show. Great. Uh, I've. I see not to like give myself a big head, but there is there's been no real host driven food stuff happening after you know everybody seems to have you know sort of fallen off. Yeah, um, Netflix is doing a ton of food content right now. Yeah, and so we're we're out there pitching stuff. So we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, I've also I've been a guest on the Burger Show, uh, which is uh, First We Feast, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been it's been amazing because the Burger Show I didn't realize until I got until I, after the first episode aired that suddenly I had this I had a, like a fan, mini fan base that was. Um, Way, way south of my normal demographic. My normal demographic tends to be like, you know, mid 40s, overweight guys with glasses, <laughs> which is great. I don't mind those guys at all. No girls, sorry. Um, but I suddenly realized that by being on the burger show for First We Feast, yeah. I, had, I had a 14 year old kid walk up to me and say, Hey, man, I, you're the burger guy. I saw you on the burger show. <laughs> so I had this sudden, like, this new demographic that yeah. was between like 14 and 25, which I had never had before. So that was pretty exciting. So because of that, I'm getting back into it again. I'm going to do a show again. And I have no book going on. I have no book deals happening right now, and I, I want to do a show. But the Broadway, the Broadway musical was not a joke. Um, people thought it was a joke. It actually wasn't. I would like to somehow produce uh, a Broadway musical for sure. 
You know, that's awesome. I believe yeah. that there's, there's the great American story needs to be told about the hamburger. Yeah, uh, which is simply it's a bit of the I'll give you the quick the broad strokes is that it's about a small uh, three stool diner in somewhere America that discovers after the end of the first act that it has to move it has to close down oh, okay. and what is the yeah. importance of holding on to the things you love is it important to keep that alive or is it important to let it go and uh, by you know by uh, a bunch of different plot twists you know it's saved. Because we all we all we all yeah. want those, our icons to be saved. So, but it's it's, it's going to be a comedy. It's going to be a comedy and a musical. And the, I think the idea was that a friend of mine got involved who was brightly pointed out that if you're dealing with three generations of people in this restaurant on yeah. stage, you've got three three generations of music. You've got the stuff in the '60s and '70s. You got the oh, current hip hop. You've got awesome. old like you know yeah. grandpa's music. So you get to mix it up in a way, which is kind of cool, and be, keep it very very American, very American proud. Yeah, which is <laughs> no, which is something clearly. I mean, you just see. I mean, Broadway always has such different musicals from, obviously, Hamilton. And, I mean, it's a story of, you know, d- during the revolutionary times where they're, you know, using hip-hop music to tell that story. And then you have a comedy about Mormons, and it's, you know, yeah. that's <laughs> Trey Parker, you know, doing exactly. that. Exactly, yeah. Uh, but I love that. I mean, I, I love music and... So the fact that you're saying that you could cover, I feel like there's no other show that. You know, well, that's why it'd be a musical, that, yeah. not just a play, but it'd be a musical. Yeah. Because I think people, I think people get generally more excited about musicals, not just straight up Broadway plays. Yeah. I think it has to have the element of, of dance and music, which is great. Yeah. But also on top of that, what we would do to, to add another facet to it, which no one ever does, uh-huh. is food. Because yeah, I was just gonna the say, idea is you've yeah. got a, you're, it's a, a three stool diner. There's going to be the sizzling sound of burgers happening, obviously, and the smell of burgers and. Intermission would be all about, you know, burgers. <laughs> so in a way, it's the, the knowledge that we've gained from working at the Food Film Fest will feed into the success, hopefully, yeah. of, this, of this musical. Now, musicals take a long time to produce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. So we'll see. Can I ask you, what do you think of the, I mean, movie theaters have changed and you have, like, your Alamo Draft House or your, your even your bigger ones like the, what are they called, picks and stuff like that, yeah. all the theaters that serve food. What do you think of the current, food realm in like the movie theaters and where do you think it can I mean I'm sure it obviously can improve but do you have any thoughts on that? I, it's uh, No not really I mean I've been to Alamo Draft House a bunch yeah. you know, I actually screened a film in Alamo Draft House the original one in Austin way back Okay, um, not a food film I just filmed a regular we screened a regular uh, feature film cool. back then back in the day it was a lot this goes back almost 20 years um, at South by Southwest, <laughs> they were one of the. They were actually one of the theaters for South by Southwest before they were. Yeah, it was huge, huge. huge yeah. Um, but I, th- it's, I think it's. Um, it works actually somehow. You know, I think it's nice to be able to eat while you're watching a movie. You know, yeah. I think generally the only problem is I think generally people think when they go to a movie they're really just going to eat candy and popcorn. Yeah. So I think it's hard to get people out of that. The one I'd say the one added benefit is alcohol. That's a good move. That's the, if you could if you could just yeah. serve alcohol and, and popcorn and candy, I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, the first Alamo Draft House I ever went to is they have one up in Yonkers, and now oh. they have one in Brooklyn, and now they're opening up one by One World, uh, and so it's just it's just a great theater in that sense that you can show up I mean whenever you want and you can just go in there I mean you could just go there and have a beer if you wanted which I think is it's the food's expensive and not that great unfortunately sorry guys Yeah. Uh, but really the, for the bang for buck I think is out of doubt being able to have like a craft beer when yeah. watching a movie that, that's kind of brilliant actually Yeah. and yeah. have it from like all like local breweries too that's yeah. just I mean I think that's what special thing is and I, you seem like a guy that appreciates community and uh, so that that's just I mean, yeah. something pretty awesome yeah, beer, beer helps Beer, beer, yeah. Beer never hurt. Well, beer helps. Beer helps. I was gonna say it never hurts, but it always it helps. It helps. Uh, so let's let's talk about you know a couple of just maybe some food movie scenes. I asked you what are some of your favorites. You said uh, Tampopo and Diva. I've seen Tampopo. 
I haven't seen Diva. Diva's not a food film. Diva's actually a uh, drama. It's a French drama. It was made okay. in the 80s. I saw it by accident. I think my, <laughs> I think my French stepsister was watching it. And I, I was watching it with her when I was a kid and kind of kind of amazed by it. But it's, it's, it's a French drama. Yeah. Uh, set, it's a thriller. Not a drama. It's definitely not a drama. I'm sorry. It's a thriller. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a cops and robbers type thriller. With the, yeah. There's a bad guy who, who wears an earpiece all the time. He's getting ball, ball. The bad guy, or like the, the stool, the guy who's like the guy, the go-between, wears like a little ear, earbud. Yeah. And you, can, you assume he's getting like, you know, reports from like his boss. You know, what he, what, it's like a classic, those old like white earbuds in one ear. And he's, he's always ta- sort of talking to somebody and talking to himself. You realize into the film when he actually dies that he's been listening to, um, to like uh, to organ grinder music the entire time. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, totally, totally weird. French, he, French filmmaking. I think, he, for, yeah. I think he falls down like a well uh-huh. and the camera goes into him and it goes into his face and then yeah. goes to the earbud, which ear, is now yeah. fall, it's fallen out yeah. on the sidewalk. And, you, can or, and you, can, you hear the. You can, it's it's so freaky. It's so weird. Anyway, this, it's not a food film at all, but there is a really good food scene where the the good guy, um, who's I think is a pedophile, because uh, he has this young girl roller skating around his apartment. I couldn't quite follow what was going on, um, <laughs> but he, he has he's making uh, he's making um, uh, he calls it uh, the best. Uh, uh, um, a pain avec bill, which is basically it's butter, bread, and butter. Yeah. <laughs> he, just, he just take he takes a baguette and slices it open, and he's describing what he's doing as he's doing it. And that's just, that made it. Of course, when someone's describing food for you, yeah. it always makes food taste better. So when he's describing the buttering of a bread, you realize it's, it's got to be good. It's French butter. It's French bread. It's got to be fantastic. Yeah. So that's at any time someone describes what they're doing, it always makes it that much more flavorful. I think you know, just so, like in Tempo, Tempopo is one of those films that that's a, it's such a great film. I love that. You know, I mean, that that film, you know, it, it idolized, it was during a time that, you know, of idolizing spaghetti westerns, and I think they ended up calling it a ramen western, you know, the Japanese flair, and it's just such a such yeah. a great movie. It's a great film, and we tried forever to get it at the Food Film Fest, and I realized yeah. uh, that we were never going to find it. We are never going to be able, we found, we know, everyone knew the film was a cult film. Yeah. We couldn't find the rights to screen it, and... We realized later on that it was almost it was impossible, so we gave up. And then right when we gave up, we became friends with a guy in Brooklyn who was just a it was a dad at a friend's school, <laughs> someone's dad, um, and uh, he worked for the Criterion Collection. Oh, okay. And he he had told us that he had the film, and we said let's screen it. And he said We're done. And so we showed the film, and obviously we served great food during the film. I actually saw him again a few weeks ago at a party. And I said I have to ask you, how did you guys get the film? He had a great line. He said it took eleven years. And lots of maple candy. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> this is the long sorted tale. I won't yeah. get into that. But at this point, the director's widow uh-huh. uh, had the rights to the film, or she owned the film. She did not think she even knew she had the rights. And they basically it took a lot of um, coercing, a yeah. lot of meetings. And for some reason, maple candy goes a long way in Japan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Patience yeah. and maple candy. And maple candy. You can get a film out of somebody. Um, but the film, so they actually they restored the print to the film. Oh. They actually, I asked them, you actually, they took the original negative. So they restored the wow. original. They actually went back to the negative to make a new, a new interpositive, whatever it's called, um, and made a beautiful digital version from the negative. That's why it looks so gorgeous, so gorgeous. Yeah. And we, so we were showing it on our fifty foot screen in Times Square for the Food Film Fest, and just to see Tampopo in that kind of resolution on a big screen was just mind blowing. Yeah. We had a great time with it. And so during the film, we we served about nine or ten different types of food. Yeah. One of the best moments, though, my favorite moment by far in that film in terms of serving food is there's a scene where there's a guy running. Remember the scene with the guy yeah. running? You don't know what he's running to. And he's running to home, 
he's running home. He bursts in the door, and there's a doctor sort of administering last rites to his wife who's yeah. lying on the floor. And the kids are kind of sitting at the dining room table not knowing what to do. Yeah. And he just – he grabs her and says, get up, woman. Yeah, he demands yep. for her. Yeah. Make dinner. Yeah. And so she, because she's – you know, the husband is telling her what to do, she writes herself, walks into the kitchen – and starts to pull out a wok and, and starts to make this this very simple uh, stir fry, like yeah. pork stir fry. And she stumbles into the into the dining room and drops it on the table and dies. Yeah, and Keels drop, over and dies. Dead, yeah. um, we served the stir fry to the audience <laughs> <laughs> just as she's dying. A <laughs> and a woman came up to me after the after the screening, crying with joy, tears of joy, saying, "You served a dead woman's food." It was unbelievable. It was yeah. true. I mean, I was, people. I don't think people were ready for that. And we there was a scene we could have served uh, like this sort of floppy noodle scene before that. Yeah, a scene after that we could have served something else. But one of the people we worked at the festival said, "I think you need to. This is the moment. Is right here. Is yeah. this woman basically making this woman's last meal? You weren't going to have two people sharing an egg yolk between their <laughs> <laughs> do that. We talked about that, that scene. Oh, we, we talked about everything. We talked about the the. Um, uh, the the the, uh, the prawn and the vinegar yeah. that whole yeah. god on the, on the belly we could, we couldn't recreate that it is that is uh, food eroticism at its at its finest highest point right there yeah it's That's incredible a, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pick so that is on criterion is part of the criterion club it is now. yeah yeah I'm gonna have to pick that up but like it's I've only they seen it via job. like a streaming service you oh. know? yeah yeah back then we only had it on videotape we yeah. we had like a I had some um, uh, pirate videotape. That was just, just said Tampopo written out with a like yeah. black sharpie. There's a young Ken Watanabe in that film. It definitely so is good. Me. He is so good. Oh, by the way, it's also that all those scenes with the ramen. Nobody ever covered ramen the way they did. Yeah. And the way he described the very first scene where he's talking about how to eat ramen, that great scene where he, he says you you tap the pork. Yeah. To show appreciation, <laughs> and then once you've tapped it, you move it out of the way. Because you're going to eat that later. Yeah, you want to yeah. show, you want to give it, give it some more <laughs> space. Give it some you know, give it some space. That was such a great scene. Yeah. Well, ramen's that stuff that's you know dry in a cup, and then you put you know hot yeah, water, right? Yeah, sure. And yeah. you, as a drunk college student, right? That's Which actually, <laughs> honestly, Tampopo was the reason that I we all learned that it was something more than just, than just you know, yeah. And we all thought it was just cups crap. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good, it is a great scene, you know. As a filmmaker, I just want to ask you. What are what are some of your favorite films? Not even just not even food films, just food and yeah, films in general. Well, again, there's not a whole lot of not a whole lot of great food films out there. I mean, yeah. Like you know, unless you think of Big Night, um, yeah. You know, the cook, the sh- cook, the thief, and the chef, and his lover, whatever. That's yeah, a yeah, good yeah. One. yeah. You know, those are like Water for Chocolate. These are films that are, you know they're not they're okay. I've, I see them once, I'm happy. But other films, I mean, I've got, I've, I mean, I, you know, I feel embarrassed even saying this, but one of my all-time favorite films is Caddyshack. <laughs> <laughs> I can watch the film over and over and over again. I mean, yeah. I, I like the classics. I like, you know, On the Waterfront. I'm a big fan of Lawrence of Arabia. Um, one of my all-time favorite films is a film by the Coen brothers called Blood Simple. Yeah. Wow. That was yeah. a great film. That film blew my mind. It really, uh, the fact that there were, there's no, it's one of those films where it's, you're in lawless Texas, and there's no law. There's hardly a cop, never a court scene. Yeah. Everyone's sort of on their own. Everyone's fending for themselves in modern day Texas, which seemed kind of weird and out, you know, um, outlawish to me. Mm-hmm. And it was a great film. I, I think they did a great job with that. There's one great line where um, Francis McDormand keeps using the line, I ain't done nothing funny. <laughs> <laughs> which, of course, she has. <laughs> it's a great scene. It's a, it's a, great, it's a great scene. It's a great film with every scene just builds on the next. I think it's yeah. one of the most perfect films I've ever seen is Blood Sample for sure. 
Well, I mean, but that's the that's the great thing. I mean, it, in other episodes, like we'll highlight a food. I just wanted to talk to you so much about your career, but like we'll highlight a food centric movie. But then I'll have people talk like a random food scene. So we've talked, you know, like there's great food scenes and like Goodfellas, you know, the stir and the sauce yeah. and that kind. Of, you know, yeah, the, slice, the slicing of the garlic, slicing of I'll the never, garlic. You will, will never forget that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so there are like great scenes in movies, but there really aren't a lot of. Food, you know, no. driven film. Big Night and Tampopo are the yeah. two biggest ones I can think of right now. <laughs> do you have Have you ever thought like you want to make a narrative driven? Uh, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. I mean, like the musical. You know, yeah. uh, I would love to make a story of a small town diner that is going out of business. And what do you do? Because I got to tell you, it unfortunately it happens all the time. Yeah, you know, small town diners go out of business all the time. The idea with the play, and it would be the film also, was that. Um, uh, this, this happens every day, pretty much. I'm seeing a lot of it. So the story would actually be made up of details from 200 of my favorite restaurants that are out there um, that have weird hours, yeah. or have some some guy, the delivery guy, who's also happens to be a, you know a, a, a luchero, like you know a Mexican wrestler. You know, these the, the stories are out there; they exist. And so I want to put all those stories into one hamburger place, some like some super hamburger joint <laughs> that has all the crazy <laughs> stories all blended into one. People will be able to pick out like, oh yeah, that's that's our burger, or that's 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 yeah. the, that's the girl that works for us, you know. <laughs> well, those are our stools. <laughs> well, it's great because it would be so relatable to so many different yeah. you know, businesses and people and their and their yeah. and their stories. I mean, Baghdad Cafe was one of those films also that was fantastic, and it would be similar. I think it would be similar to Baghdad, Baghdad Cafe in its feeling. I remember, remember Baghdad. I don't know if you remember this movie, Baghdad 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 Cafe. Remember oh. this at all? No, it's I, a no. Route sixty six diner in the middle of nowhere, and it's a bunch of just uh, you know stories about people who go through the place. You know? Yeah, and it's, it's a it's a narrative film. But we'll see. I'd love to. I'd love to be able to make a film. Uh, food. I'd like to make a f- real food film. I'm yeah. actually working on a. Uh, I'm not, I mean, specifically a food narrative. I'd love to make. But I'm also working on another film this year. That's going to be a new thing, a new approach for me because um, I had a <laughs> I had a weird had a weird moment where um, one of my favorite restaurants closed. It, was, it had nothing to do with, with burgers at all. It was a gyro restaurant called Gyro Two. Okay. And what happened was I would go there all the time, but I wouldn't tell anybody because to me it was kind of a guilty pleasure. And yeah. I, was, I would go there literally for 25 years and didn't tell anybody. Maybe even longer, actually. Um, it was right, right, right. It was in uh, what's it called? Um, oh, uh, right across in the garden. Okay, whatever yeah. that neighborhood is. There, you know, right on Seventh Avenue. Yeah, it was kind of you know a gross neighborhood, it was, which was getting better. I mean, back when I was going there first, it was really bad. It was just people went there just to get on, on the train and go back to Long Island. Yeah, or go to go to Rangers games, <laughs> or go see the Grateful Dead or something. And I was actually on my way to go see the, the, the Grateful Dead revival band, whatever the hell it was, with a friend. Turned the corner, went to Gyro Two to get a gyro, and it was closed. And I, I almost cried. I was like, "What the hell just happened?" I, no one told me this was happening. It's yeah. over. Um, and there was a in the window was a sign that says, "I'm sorry, after 38 years, we've closed the doors." Actually, more than that. Um, but here's our white sauce recipe. <laughs> so, wow. so I took a picture of it. Yeah. And um, I I posted on Instagram saying, "You know, this is what happens when you don't pay attention." Um, but and if you think that your favorite place is ever going to close, it will. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just plead to get people to just. just not try to save your places, but just to appreciate them while they exist. You know, yeah. you go to your restaurants and know they're not going to last. They can't. It's impossible. Yeah. No, nothing lasts forever. But also, but while you're there, appreciate how great they are. You know, really be part of the zeitgeist. Be part of what's happening, and you know, take and appreciate it. Um, that was the whole post. And then all of a sudden, after all these comments on the post saying people are big chefs saying, "Oh, I used to go there all the time and not tell anybody. Yeah. I, I went there all the time before Rangers games to get a gyro. Place was so dirty, but I loved it." Which actually wasn't dirty. Um, and then one of the last comments was, my dad owned that restaurant. Uh, he sold it to a partner. 
and it happened to be happened to be the guy, one of the owners from Speedy Romeo, which oh, is a you know, wow. very well known yeah, restaurant yeah, yeah, in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the story, I'm not going to get into the whole story now because I don't want to blow the movie. But uh, we're going to I'm making a film about um, finding finding the dad, yeah. finding this guy's dad, and talking to him about doing a pop up and opening up again just for one night only. That's awesome. And so we'll show that at the Food Film Fest and have a pop up at the at the Food Film Fest. I get to bring back yeah. the white sauce. Oh, I was going to say the white. Yeah. That's <laughs> I can't wait. The stories are intense. They're so good. So I'm make, I'm going to I'm going to make a film about you know about regret about regretting you know not being able to talk about my guilty pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> get some closure. It's massive <laughs> right? closure. Massive it's, closure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't I, wait. I feel that. I mean, just filmmaking in general, but with food, it can just be so cathartic. Right? Yeah, that's that's the big thing with. Well, we all eat. We all eat, and I like to say we all like to eat. You know, we all we all eat. We all definitely want to eat well. So the more information that's out there that you can you know triangulate is it fresh? Is it frozen? Is it you know is it worth yeah. going? Is it closed? You know what is it open? Um, that's all very important for the food experience. You know, but people do want to eat. They want to eat well. That's what the food film fest is all about. Honestly, that's awesome. Well, uh, to finish up, I have a segment called Gut Instincts, and it's just yeah. kind of, you know, like a little, not timed, but a speed round of just whatever comes to you first as far as these questions. So. Go for it. All right. Well, do, do you have a favorite fast food? <laughs> Before, I mean, you well, have a fast I mean, food honestly, but, uh, yeah, burgers. Yeah, yeah. Burgers is definitely burgers. I mean, it's, uh, without a doubt, hamburgers I, are definitely my, my favorite fast food. But any specific uh, establishment, I should say? I'm in the Midwest. It is uh, steak and shake. Okay, it's a great fast food burger, yeah. unquestionably. But it depends. I mean, if I'm on the East Coast, West Coast, it all depends. On. I like to say that the, my favorite burgers are the ones that are in my book that I'm closest to. Yeah. Uh, Go to alcoholic beverage. Uh, I got to be honest, uh, beer. Beer. Yeah. Any particular one right now that's? Uh... I drink a lot of IPA. I like uh, IPAs, yeah. but I also like. Depends on the season, you know. I yeah, drink IPAs in the winter. I drink pilsners and lagers in the summer. Yeah. So. Nice. <laughs> Favorite childhood snack? <laughs> I gotta say, probably the goldfish. The goldfish. I ate a lot of goldfish. I love fishes because they're so delicious. <laughs> so it's, it's nonstop. I ate a lot of goldfish as a kid. Tons. <laughs> That's a good one. Sweet or savory? Uh, it depends, but I would say I probably I probably err on the side of savory. Nice. Yeah. Favorite food city, domestic and international. My favorite food city domestically is unquestionably Charleston. And I, wow. have, I have a lot yeah. of family in Charleston, and there's so much going on. There's so much food there; it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. you, you sort of can't. Um, you can they go there just for had a food, food festival recently, right? They, they just, but last week they had yeah. the um, uh, food, food and wine was there. Oh, it's food and wine. And okay. the Charleston food and wine yeah. happens. Uh, yeah, well, a couple weeks ago, one, two weeks ago. Um, yeah, but they, yeah, it's a it's a great food city, and yeah. that actually kind of ruins the city. I obviously, you know, for the, I would never. I'd, I've been to the festival before, but only to go to the festival. You can't eat at restaurants during that because no. all, all the everything's taken up. No one has real service going on. But it is unquestionably one of the greatest food cities in the country, by far. There's a lot, a lot going on in Nashville, a lot going on in Atlanta, yeah. a lot going on in other parts of the country. But I still, bang for buck, I think it's flying into, into Charleston and eating for three days is kind of priceless. Awesome. You know, internationally, that's a good question. I mean, not, you know, things are changing all over the world fast. But yeah. I, love, I love going to Sao Paulo. <laughs> I, I'm there a lot now. Yeah. And every time I go there, I'm always amazed that my friends and hosts always take me to different places every time. Yeah. Old school places, brand new places. And it's always really good. The food is, is so fresh and pure in Sao Paulo. You know, there's not a whole lot of, um, there, there's a lot of um, processed food. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but it doesn't, it does, it's, it's, sort of, it's in a different place. You know, it's not really shared with the, like the masses the way we do in America. Yeah. You don't find, you know, it's, just, it's different. There's, there's, there's less, it seems like there's less access to processed food 
in Sao Paulo than there is in America, uh, which is kind of a bummer, obviously. And you, said you, you don't have to look very hard to find great food in Sao Paulo. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's also they have great traditional foods. You know, they have great feijoada, and they've got coxinha, and all these great foods that you really can't get in America. Yeah, I would definitely love to. I've never been anywhere in South America, only uh, Asia and Europe. Besides, you need North a trip America. there for sure. Yeah. Favorite cuisine. Favorite <laughs> cuisine. Wow. Uh, I mean, ooh, that's a good question. That's a tough one to answer because. <laughs> um. Uh, you know, honestly, probably southern food, you know? Yeah. I think southern food has been changing a lot, and it's it's exciting to see what happens with southern food as it, as it changes. I mean, I grew up on southern food because my mom. My mom's from South Carolina. So okay. I love grits. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of grits. I'm a huge fan of collard greens. I'm a big fan of all of these things that are... Same that are, here. Yeah, That's, good, yeah. good, like, you know, just stick to the bone. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stick, stick to your stick to your what's the what's the phrase? <laughs> um, stick to your ribs. Anyway, um, I'm a big fan of southern food. Big fan of southern. I have, I have to say southern food probably. This isn't a question that's part of this, but now that knowing that you're a big fan of southern food, is there any particular restaurant in the New York City area that you're like, ooh, they do it right for some? No. no? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Nothing, Jerry. Preview. No. I mean, it's, what I do is what yeah. you know. I. I I spent a lot of time eating in, in South Carolina, yeah. and uh, I, have, I have relatives who have restaurants in South Carolina, yeah. and they get it right. And a lot of it's just about sticking to tradition, like anything else, sticking, sticking to tradition and also using fresh ingredients. And you've got that down, no matter what your tradition is, whether it's a hamburger, whether it's something in, you know, if you're making you know, Irish food, stick, stick, to, stick to tradition and keep it fresh, and you, you can't go wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Guilty pleasure food. <laughs> I would say without a doubt, the gyro. Gyro, yeah. Yeah, I'll probably get one today. <laughs> Likely. I'm a big fan. of. I, I love that mystery lamb meat, spiced, whatever it is, yeah. cut off the thing. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the gyro. Yeah. Favorite condiment? <laughs> People are going to freak out about this, but I like mayonnaise. Yeah. I'm a big fan of... I, I mean, I'm looking well, at no, a no, that, huge <laughs> jar of... Uh, but even before that, honestly, yeah. this has nothing to do with my, my sponsors. Um, but I've always been a big fan of mayonnaise. And I'll tell you why. Because, because mayonnaise is one of those foods... That was invented. It didn't come about by a single ingredient or two. Sure. Yeah. It's it actually was it's science. And some genius figured out if you emulsify this and do that and add this, you end up with this aioli mayonnaise, um, which is very it's it's extraordinarily complex and not easy to make. Yeah. Um, so I think mayonnaise. If you've had really good mayonnaise, it's kind of it's kind of a life changer. Awesome. What's the last thing you ate? <laughs> last thing, I, last thing I ate was a smoked oyster. Last oh. night, I smoked some oysters last night. Nice, which is great because you did it's so. It's like the easiest, stupidest thing to do. You shuck oysters. Yeah. You keep you keep the liquor, the liquid inside. It's called liquor. You you keep them, you know, face up inside the shell. You you actually cut the abductor muscle on the bottom. You put them on your grill. You do a you do a uh, indirect heat. You put coals off to one side. Yeah. You put you line up your grill with all of them, and then you, it's a very low heat thing, and you throw wood chips onto the fire, yeah. and you close it up and come back in an hour, and they are perfect. They are smoky Ooh. and brown. I'm gonna have to try that. It's it's so easy. It's so good. And you, I, we put some hot sauce yeah. on it last night. You can put a little bit of butter. You know, I did, I, one time I did a curry butter, and curry butter and smoked oysters just like it's mind blowing. So I mean, you're a Long Island guy. You guys got your oysters. That's there. the thing. We got oysters, but yeah, also clams. I'm a big fan of the clam. Ooh, That's yeah. one of my all time favorite things to eat in the summertime. Is a, is a fresh little neck. Yeah, a life goal of mine. I mean, it's not the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> I would love to go to like a traditional clam bake someday. Yeah, yeah, like they're fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what would be your last meal? Ooh, <laughs> I'll be honest. Not a hamburger. <laughs> 
<laughs> How many hamburgers do you think? Like, I mean, maybe it was easier know, to say, I, like yeah, on, we, on like yearly average. I mean, how, I mean, I, I, average is hard to say, but I probably in the last 18, 20 years, I've probably eaten like twelve thousand to fourteen thousand burgers. Wow! Just in the name of research, I mean, some of them yeah. are small, you know. Yeah. Some of them are huge, but uh, it depends. You know, I'll eat during research when I'm actually working on a book or a TV show or something. I'll eat roughly twenty five in a week, yeah, uh, just for research. But then on normal weeks, I'm not working on anything. I'll eat, I'll eat one or two a week. I need to eat one, at least one a week. <laughs> so it's very important to me. Um, but my if I to you know my last meal, I would hope would be a um, uh, one of my all time favorite things to eat is a uh, bacon sandwich, uh, okay. good crispy bacon, yeah, um, on white toast with mayonnaise. And that's it. And a chocolate milkshake. So not a BLT, just the bit. No, no L, no, no T. No L, no T. Just, just bacon. It's the bacon. There's something pretty magical about bacon, um, yeah. white toast, and um, and mayonnaise. Yeah. And then a chocolate shake. Chocolate shake. Down. <laughs> Do you prefer to uh, dine in or dine out? Like cooking for yourself or going to? I like them both uh, yeah. equally. It's hard to pick one because I I cook in all the time. I cook for my kids all the time. And I experiment, you know, don't tell them, but I experiment on them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I serve the food they would normally eat, yeah. and I'll, I'll take the same meal we've made a hundred times, and I'll make it a different way every single time. And I'll take, I have lots of notes, and I, I'm working on another cookbook right now. It's awesome. not, it is not just about hamburgers. Because I want to be able to, I've got a lot of food to share. I've, I've done a lot of testing, I mean, years and years of testing, mostly on my kids <laughs> and, and my friends. My friends go, oh, did you change this? Like, yeah, I sure did. Write that down. They liked it. <laughs> so I like I like dining in. I like eating in a lot. I, I cook all the time. I love yeah. being in the kitchen to cook. Um, but I also like to eat out. I'm like if it's a good restaurant, I'm I'm there. I love there's so much to do out there. We live in New York City where there's you know there's too there's almost too much to it's overwhelming. There's too much to eat here. Yeah, I read a, a it was a New York Times article uh, about you and the, like your typical Sunday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I love what 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 was it called uh, your. Um, the family the game the, eat, yeah. eat the yeah eat the world eat yeah. the world we do we, we do this we love it you know yeah. uh, we didn't do it for a couple of years I was getting divorced so we actually didn't do it for a while because things were confusing uh, obviously but uh, we were back on again yeah. and um, it's a basic game where you basically you spin a globe yeah and uh, one person is the stop and one person is the finger so um, you, you put your finger you hover your finger over one part you, you, you have to choose ahead of time you're going to use is it southern hemisphere northern hemisphere sure low on the equator high on the equator and you basically hover your finger over and then um, you put your finger down whenever someone stops the the globe and that that's, that becomes the uh, the that you go to you go to the restaurant that serves that country's cuisine that's awesome and so we, I we love all, that. and sometimes we land in the ocean to start over again but most time we'll, we'll China is huge we keep hitting China we've already been in China <laughs> China Mexico we've gone to Sweden we've gone to what did we do last week? Last week we tried to do Morocco. We went to a Moroccan food restaurant. It was closed, unfortunately. We had to, we had to, we had to bail and something uh, else. So, but it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. It's yeah, a family a, world. Yeah, that's a great game, and that's just I, I that's just a great way to get your kids. I mean, that's a big part of growing up is tr- you know trying food then, and you know yeah. like kids can be pretty picky. So yeah. that's a good way to just expand their horizons. It's great, but also yeah. this they also expand their knowledge of what the city has to offer ethnically, which I think that, you know, you've got the kids that are going to a nice school and they're like just white kids <laughs> living in a white neighborhood. Yeah. You, know, you want to make sure that they actually are not, they're not just growing up in a bubble, that they actually do get out and see yeah. stuff. A couple weeks ago, we went to this place called Blue Sky. Blue Sky? Blue Sky? It's called Blue Sky. It was an Indonesian restaurant in, in Flushing. Or Flushing, I can't remember what it was now, but it was fantastic. Yeah. It was mind blowing. It really was. Uh, it was one of those experiences. Where nobody was like us, and I hate to say it, in the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes a, that's when you know it's going to be really good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know it's going to be good whenever you know you're you're the only person who's not from the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but we looked up what was the best, and the New York Times had done a piece on it a while ago. And, yeah. Um, that was we we went there because we landed on Indonesia on the globe. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's such a fun way to find new places to eat or just new cuisines yeah. as well. Uh, what would be what would be your spirit food? I mean, you are the burger expert. I mean, our burgers is is a burger what like encompasses what you think like is what what, what like who you are and the, what you know. Unquestionable. People have obviously associated me with the hamburger. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to get away from that. Sure. Um, but yeah, it does. I mean, the reason I I've, I've stuck with it this long is that people say to me all the time, you know, you must be so sick of hamburgers. I said, no, actually, I'm not because um, as I get further into the hamburger, uh, the more um, passionate I get about it. So it really, it's it's become. I would say it's just it just keeps growing. It keeps yeah. getting bigger and bigger. And um, the deeper I go into the world of hamburger, the better it gets. And I love. I mean, I, I you know just watching content of yours and other people interviewing you. Your onion burger. I mean, just the smashed onion burger. Yeah. That's just. I mean, such a great. I mean, yeah. That's the burger I make uh, most at events because the way I described it is it's the um, it's the burger that is uh, greater than the sum of its parts. Unquestionably, okay. you make this burger and it only has a few parts. It's five elements. It's got a, a bun, beef, cheese, salt, onion. That's it. That's wow. it. Yeah. And um, but those five elements, done correctly, actually you know executed correctly, make a burger that people say, okay, there's some sauce, something in the meat. What's going on here? What kind of bun is this? Yeah. Did you butter the bun? And none of those things have happened. Uh, the bun actually rides on top of the burger as it's flipped, and it becomes steamy. Like you know, like white mana. Like, yeah. <laughs> I got that that method came from white mana, yeah. New Jersey. In fact, yeah. the actual if you look at the way they 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 flip the burger over, theirs is reverse from what I do. I I have a new a different method for actually for pinching and pulling the bun off. It's, yeah. it's reverse what they do. Their cheese ends up on the bottom, which I don't like. <laughs> they do. It's weird. I'm like, why is the cheese on the bottom? Yeah. This is the way they've done it forever, you know. Um, but it's it is definitely unquestionably uh, greater than some of its parts, and people want to know what the magic is. Yeah. So it's also it's, all, it's also it cooks fast. I can cook it. I've now if I'm on a TV show and I'm making burgers, I've got it down to you know if you're doing a five minute segment, I can cook a burger in, in three and a half minutes. Yeah, because that's the I mean <laughs> recently as far as uh, content, the video content that I'm now doing for the uh, podcast, I did like a little cooking. There's this cookbook I have that's called Eat What You Watch, a cookbook for movie lovers. So it has recipes from different movies. Nice. And so I just did like an eggs and nest with red pepper sauce from uh, Moonstruck, and yeah. I'm filming it. You know, I mean, it's a tr- my iPhone on a tripod, and I'm talking on camera, and then trying to cook. And I mean, I just didn't have you know the means to keep cooking the dish, and so like it got a little burnt. But I was like, you know, what? then I get to do a redemption video. So it's definitely something I want to you know get get better at and keep doing, but. Uh, what's your favorite? You go to the movies. What's your favorite snack? <laughs> uh, goobers. Goobers. Yeah. Nice. Uh, goobers and snow caps, depending. If they don't have yeah. goobers, I go for snow caps. I always have snow caps. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually not a big fan of popcorn in a movie theater. No? no I once I'll, Someone else has it. I'll have a few, but you get those little pieces of shit stuck in your teeth all the time, and it makes me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and last question What's the greatest lesson you've learned in food? It's a pretty light handed question, you know. <laughs> Wow, that's one of the greatest lessons I've learned. Okay, actually, yeah. I do. Uh, yeah, okay, I've got a few of them, but I, probably the greatest lesson I've learned in food is obviously you know the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. That obviously some of the best stuff you can do is simple. But more important than that is that if you do have great ingredients and you have less of them than you think you need, you you can definitely create magic in the kitchen, unquestionably. Nice. You hear my stomach growling? Hear <laughs> <laughs> As I was saying that, my stomach went. Rrr. I think I need a gyro. 
What do you think of the Impossible Burger? <laughs> What's your stance? Well, they're friends of mine. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you why they're friends of mine. Because I think they're, they're, they're getting it right. And uh, I say that very broadly. <laughs> it doesn't taste like a burger. It, but it definitely, it's, I described the Impossible Burger, and I've told them this too, and I've talked about this in the New York Times, um, that it is the greatest imposter. They've yeah. actually done a really good job at creating something that is very similar. I've, I've, I've tried to, I've actually made a, a, fried, a smashed onion burger with it. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and it, it, it worked, but it just didn't taste, the meat doesn't taste like meat. Yeah. And um, vegetarians say, oh, it, it tastes like meat, but... The problem with that is that the Impossible Burger is not – they're not trying to – they're not gunning for the 4% of Americans that eat so strictly vegetarian. Yeah. They're gunning for the other 96% that eat meat. So I told them, you're getting there. And they had a new version, which is even better. Yeah. I tasted it at a French restaurant the other day, and it was actually really good. It was definitely a step in the right direction. So as far as you know, making a patty that actually you know, can taste like meat, they're not there yet. But they are working very hard to get there. I think they're also trying to diversify and do other types of foods as well. They didn't mean to focus on the hamburger. They, that was supposed to be their, 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 you know, their gateway, yeah. gateway food. But they are focusing on getting it right more. And they will. They're going to get there. They're going to get there. Do you think it should be called a burger? Um, <laughs> uh, no. Because I think for me, a burger really should only be made from beef. That's yeah. it. You know, there's turkey burgers are not. There should be burgers. Okay. I'm um, sorry. Um, turkey burgers. The reason that a beef burger is so perfect because it doesn't require anything but the cuts of beef and some salt, and you're done. Yeah. So you can have that. Beef grease itself is a condiment, as far as I'm concerned, and you don't need anything more than a bun, which is a vehicle to get it into your mouth. Yeah. And it should taste like beef. Uh, that's it. Uh, that's a burger. Yeah. And the original American burger was beef. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't pork. It wasn't anything else. It was beef. And because it's so easy to cook, yeah. pork pork burgers are tough. They're really hard to make get right. You cook them through. They can dry out. Turkey burgers the same thing. Chicken burgers, shrimp burgers. They should be called. They should be called, you know the way a crab cake is a cake. Yeah. It should be called a you know a turkey cake. cake. Turkey, yeah. turkey cake. <laughs> turkey cake. <laughs> shrimp cake. Tuna cake. Uh, tuna tuna burgers. It's, it's, or tuna tuna hot tuna sandwich. There's got to be some other name for it. But yeah. the problem is that, that people see the round, the cylindrical yeah. shape of the thing, and it goes in their mouth the same way as a burger. They call it a burger. So. Oh, I, can't, I can't prevent him from doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the burger expert, and you just need to declare, you know, like martial law or something. That's right. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. I'm pretty humble. <laughs> George, I can't thank you enough for ha- having me over and doing this episode. Please, right now, tell all the foodie fans where they can, you know, find you, and obviously your books and all that. Uh, number one step is uh, georgemotes.com, my name.com. That's that's a portal to all my all my stuff. It goes to my hamburger website, the Food Film Fest, photography, writing, all that kind yeah. of stuff. That's the best. But uh, also on Instagram, uh, Motesburger, M-O-T-Z-B-U-R-G-E-R. Opening a restaurant in the same name soon, hopefully. We're awesome. working on that. It's so a next move. But uh, we'll see. I mean, yeah. <laughs> one step at a time. Uh, Most Burger on Twitter, Most Burger on Instagram, and also there's also HamburgerAmerica.com. Yeah. But yeah, and the books are out there. The books are everywhere. The books are on Amazon. Yeah. I'm he- so heading from Brooklyn to Jersey. I want a burger. Where am I stopping? Uh, right around the corner. Right. Um, uh, a place called Hard Time Sundays. Hard Time Sundays? The, um, arguably the best uh, fast burger in New York City. Awesome. It's fantastic. It really is. It's a, it's a small four-stool counter. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorites. <laughs> uh, it's a great burger. You really should go. It's, honestly, it's yeah, on no, Crit- Cretellia Road, right I'm, around the corner. I'm going to. You should, definitely. Uh, we have a little sign-off line. It's There's more to cut, so if you could just remind the foodie fans that there's more to cut. There's more to cut. Thank you. Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy, and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you such a sweet thing.